Brian Helmig co-founded Zapier with a couple of friends back in 2010, and since then, they've been dominating the world of automation. As CTO, Brian is responsible for all the technology behind Zapier and making sure that all of your zaps are working the way they need to be so that you and your company can be as efficient as possible. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Brian discusses how he does all of that. Plus, he touches on the pros and cons of having a completely distributed team and what the future of automation looks like. Enjoy this conversation. This podcast is sponsored by Salesforce. Did you know Salesforce isn't just for sales? Using Salesforce as an employee experience platform helps make every employee across your organization more productive thanks to a common mobile-first platform for getting work done faster. Find out more at salesforce.com slash employee experience. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org, and we have... In sunny Mountain View today, a nice warm day here in our beautiful Bay Area. Brian, what's going on? Not much. It's a pleasure to be on here, Ian. Well, we are truly doing this remote because I'm right down the road from you. But as with all of the amazing employees at Zapier, um, it's a remote culture. So we figured we should do the interview remote as well. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, that fits right in. I'm used to that. That's my sweet spot. Uh, I'm ready to go. Yeah, so we're going to talk about, you know, employee experience at Zapier um, in addition to the amazing product and all of the things that you do to automate tasks on web applications. Um, But before we get into that, how did you get started in technology? Oh, yeah. So that would have been a while back. I've always been uh, probably like a lot of folks listening, a bit of a nerd, right? Um, For me, I'm a bit of a music nerd. um, a bit of a, uh, you know, gaming and all that stuff. But that all led into... Uh, just working with computers a lot. Um, but really what led into what became Zapier had been kind of connecting the dots of tech with businesses. And, uh, you know, my parents uh, were fairly entrepreneurial, not in technology, but uh, certainly had their own sort of business. Um, and that always kind of interests me. So whenever I kind of put those two together and it was something that you know, I could do myself and I was like kind of good at. Um, I did many little, I don't know if you can call them startups. I'll just call them projects um, at different times uh, through uh, late high school, uh, college years where, you know, uh, made beer money, um, was able to pay rent uh, a few times um, with the money I got off of that. Um, that's really where it all kind of came together. That really was like the impetus to working in tech, um, you know, legitimately, right? Um, so it's always been kind of a bit of a background, but uh, that's how it became more of a thing uh, per se. So full disclosure, we are a Zapier customer and our head of growth, Dylan, shout out to Dylan, um, is like one of the biggest fans. We use it every single day. But it's one of those technologies that when I first learned about it, it was kind of one of those like, this is the technology that connects our technology. Like, this is something <laughs> that I feel like, you know, uh, 10, 15 years ago, like would have been a joke, right? Or would have been an episode of, of Silicon Valley or something like that. Um, I guess if the show was around back then. Uh, where did the idea for Zapier come from and what were kind of some of the initial things you were trying to solve? Yeah. So, I mean, this would have been back in like 2010 or so. Uh, Wade, who's another co-founder and Mike, um, we had all been working at a mortgage company, but we had also been doing some kind of like side gigs where we'd, you know, build like a WordPress site for some real estate guy in Columbia, Missouri, which is where we were. 
Um, and he would, he would be like, Oh, we, I want this to go to MailChimp or, or whatever. And then the next, you know, person we do it for that they do first and to like, Oh, they, they wanted something similar, but they wanted it to, you know, AWeber or whatever. And we just saw, found ourselves kind of doing the same stuff, but like slightly different. Um, and it seemed like that in and of itself could be like, there's gotta be a way to make like a hub that does this and a way to you, you just swap it out. It's not that crazy complex. And that's really where it all got kicked off. And, and it's funny the, when, when we, we kind of put this together and like, Oh, let's do it. It was actually at a startup weekend, the first startup weekend in uh, Columbia, Missouri, um, we pitched, I think it was called API mixer is what we were thinking. <laughs> uh, and that was our, the thing that we picked and funny, you know, funny enough, like, I don't know if you've ever been to startup weekend, there was yeah all these votes and there's all these cool ideas and people were voting on like which ones in the top 10 would get picked. We just like stole a bunch of like stickies and like voted for our own idea a bunch. So it would get picked. Uh, so nice. at the end of the day, they were like, you didn't need to do that. You, you can, you can just work on whatever you want. So, but anyways, we were, we were dead set and determined to work on uh, this. Um, and we were very fortunate that that weekend we, we, we didn't stop after that weekend. We just kind of kept going. Um, and that was kind of the beginning of what, not API Mixer, but became Zapier um, after that. I like, I kind of like API Mixer. That was a good <laughs> one too. You both good names. Yeah. So it's funny. There was even in between that we had a, we, we had a, a different name called Snappier in between. So that was, you know, but that, that was all in the first like couple months of when we started working on uh, Zapier in the very, very early days, ancient times, you might say. Well, Dylan reminds me all the time that Zapier is makes you happier, and, <laughs> right. uh, and that's how you can remember. Because I used to call it Zapier. Um, I guess we could just take a step back. Explain what the product does. Yeah, the product is, and we think of it as like an automation platform. It helps you build uh, automations that grow and run your business. Um, classically, those fall into the sorts of things. Like I want to send a message to my lead that just filled out a lead form, or I want to add them to my database or a spreadsheet or maybe a CRM. And then whenever I update like a value in that CRM, I now I want, you know, the message to be updated or I want it to be moved. Or, like you can kind of build these, you know, sometimes I think of them as like Rube Goldberg machines where it's like dropping a bit of data into this app and then pulling out of that app and then sending a message on Slack or an email. And you can kind of build these automations and workflows. We have a lot of like, of them that are off the shelf. So you can kind of pick and choose common ones that are really popular, or you can kind of string together your own. So you might have a, a zap as we call it, right? Which is kind of a workflow. Um, take the form that someone submits on your website, uh, like a contact us form, they'll drop it into your CRM. And if the value, if you know, the deal value or the company size is above a certain size, it'll send a text message or maybe a message into Slack or send an email or, you know, you can swap all these pieces out. And maybe if you don't use a CRM, maybe you want to use, you know, uh, uh, a Weber or a MailChimp or something like that. And you want it to send, so you can do all this like really cool stuff. Uh, and it lets you, uh, really kind of run your business uh, and grow your business through, uh, automation. Um, so you can just do more, be more productive. Yeah. And for us, you know, I mean, we have as a media company, you know, we have nine podcasts and we talk to hundreds of people every day, you know, booking interviews, doing all this sort of stuff. Um, and then we have, you know, our, our, all of our customers that we work with and, you know, you have nine plus email campaigns or nine plus email lists which is really segmented in a million different ways and all this sort of kind of stuff. And we reach, you know, around like 5 million people a month. So 
the the level of complexity as we're evaluating and adding new technology, you know, hooking that stuff into Salesforce, making sure that all of it runs for us, it's like we needed the strings that kind of you know hold all that stuff together, um, and that kind of ends up being being Zapier. Yeah. Is that was that kind of the original intent? Is that a safe is that a safe uh, assessment? Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. We got really fortunate in the early days that you know we haven't done you know I think like the trope is oh you pivot you pivot until you get product market fit. We were really fortunate that in the very beginning, what we kind of set out to do was is what we're doing today. Um, and I really attribute that to in the very early days we didn't build anything that a customer wasn't asking for. And uh, like I remember in the very very early days, our first like I think ten customers we charged them. I think $100 to get access to the product and you know a product with a lowercase p at that time it was very new and it took a lot of handholding uh but it helped us connect with customers and it helped us hone in on businesses businesses really small businesses medium sized businesses generally they really need help they can't you know they don't have like a fleet of engineers right that they can deploy to solve these sorts of problems they need help connecting this and gluing that to that and that's really what helped us hone in on that especially because we were uh, charging in the early days. Um, it really helped us like just discard kind of the, the, the cruft and the distractions and really focus on the kinds of things like, you know, for us that tends to be managing your leads or, uh, you know, working with customers and messaging them or say like those things came to the forefront in the very beginning. And that really advised the use cases we focused on, the apps we obviously started working with, those sorts of things were always there from the very beginning. So I look at that back on that and I think we were very fortunate that those all kind of aligned, the stars aligned that, you know, the market and the product really uh, came together at the same time. Um, so it's always been what we've done. It's been kind of our core um, since the very beginning. Uh, been very lucky. Yeah. Well, well, you know, I mean, I think CIOs and a lot of the technologists that we talk to are trying to figure out how to build the correct technology stack that allows a flawless employee experience that then goes into a flawless customer experience, right? right? And so in order to have all of that, you're constantly evaluating and adding new technologies. And if every single time that's like a huge headache and a pain, that's not really a seamless transition and it kind of makes everything more of a headache. Um who were those initial folks that you were working with as you were planning this? Like, were you working with, you know, the end users that were doing this? What were the kind of, um, you know, types of personas that you were talking to? It's a good question. It's it's all over the place. And, you know, we look at things like small and medium businesses, but that's really, that's not everything. Like, we have tons of customers that work as teams within larger orgs and that's really common for us so you see teams that are adopting uh you know they're using jira but maybe you have a different team that's using trello or whatever and the beauty of something like zapier is you can have a form that uh takes bugs and you can just have a filter that says oh if it's for this department send it to trello if it's for that department send it to jira and it actually helps you kind of manage what we think of is like best in class apps. So if you're working in an IT or development shop, you know, it's hard to beat something like Jira, like it's kind of the industry standard. But if you want something lighter weight, maybe your marketing team is working out of something like Asana or working out of something like Trello and they want something lighter weight, a little more nimble, then being able to like consolidate these multiple stacks with a tool like Zapier 
is super, super useful. So, you know, we look at it as an ability to choose the very best app. And there's so many out there and this works. And you see this across verticals uh, as well. So you might find these particular, again, like with the Jira for development, but even like as it goes to uh, different customers, like real estate agents, I mentioned, like they have a similar flow where they have leads coming in and they need to like interact with those leads, whether that, you know, those, those same motions like scale out into sales teams for larger uh, enterprise orgs as well that kind of act as like an autonomous team uh, within uh, a larger organization. Still very similar motions. So a lot of those sorts of things kind of all come back to this idea of like, you use the best in class app. It doesn't matter which CRM, it doesn't matter which project management thing or which form or which, you know, we can kind of help you connect those. And in fact, we can milk them all work together uh, even better. So you can use all of them uh, for what they're best for. And that's something we see more and more common. Um, and, you know, it's something that we see specifically, you know, IT leaders really liking about a product like this is it lets them say yes uh, to their customers and say yes to uh, their teams rather than kind of no, you have to kind of use this thing or that thing. Uh, you can conclude all you know, Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. We, a lot of times when we talk to CIOs about specifically choosing vendors, the big thing that we hear a lot is I don't want to lose the political capital that it takes to say no to something when that's how that team wants to do it. Like that is an extremely common thing. It's like we use Asana here at Mission. Um, we also use Basecamp. We, you know, we look at a bunch of different things. There's different reasons to use use different things. You know, we have to have everything to make sure that it's tracking with Salesforce. It's one of those situations where if that CIO goes to that team and goes, hey, no, we're just all using blank right. um, because they want to have better governance or because whatever, you know, that that leader, that sales leader, that, you know, that technology leader is not going to be excited about it. And it, and it loses a lot of organizational energy to, to switch over those things. Yeah. Um, the ability to use best in breed apps instead of just going with a suite is, I mean, one of the biggest problems that kind of IT leaders and, and technology leaders face today. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And it's, I, I don't think that it's like a one size fits all. And that's why you see the best in breed apps really coming to fruition. Um, I definitely understand like the appeal of having the suite and you can kind of say everybody use this and kind of consolidate, but you kind of get the worst of both worlds when you lean on things like that and you don't have these escape hatches to use the proper tool for the job. Um, and, you know, at least a tool like Zapier can let you dabble in that sort of thing and kind of bring some sort of consistency. So, you know, if you're using a project management tool, you can watch for those events of like of, uh, of task closing and something moving to the ship stage and then kick that off and dump that into a consolidated spreadsheet and run your reports that, you know, you can start to be more creative in how you operationalize your business um, where pieces can start to run themselves. And then if you want to use a new tool, it's like, just dump your stuff into the same sheet. And so we can all see it and you can just kind of see how these sorts of things allow they unlock teams, right? They let them work uh, a little more efficiently and pull uh, the best tools off the shelf. So, I mean, we see that a ton. And, you know, if, if, you, if you're of the school that like software is like changing the way businesses run, good software is even 
a multiplicative of that, right? Um, so being able to choose the best one is pretty critical. And it's something that, you know, we hear from customers all the time is no matter, like a lot of times people will say, well, we want to try a new CRM for this because we're not maybe happy with our old one. And they'll go to, you know, we have our app directory and they'll just go to Zapier and like look at our popular CRMs and just like, I just pick one that Zapier uses so we can just, now all our forms will just switch them over to that and then away they go, right? Um, and it kind of like reduces that friction to try out new things. You don't get as locked in. You just have a better experience around using software. So we see that pretty often. And I think it it kind of, it mirrors the fact that there's better and better software being built for even more specified niches and even more specified use cases. Well, and I think that even if you go with the sweet approach, at the end of the day, you know, there's still going to be shadow IT. There's still going to be people choosing their own technologies. Like that's just going to happen anyways. So <laughs> yeah. like whether you like it or not. And I think the best CIOs all know that. And they're like, hey, as long as we have some level of governance over this and we know what people are doing, right. um, you know, it's it's like your kids are sneaking out at night. It's like <laughs> at least you're uh, monitoring their iPhones or something like that or their location services are turned on. Yep. Um, that's kind of a crazy analogy. But you get what I'm saying. It's like totally. at least you know somewhat what's going on. And I think that the bigger problem is that when you use one of those, when there's kind of those shadow IT activities going on, then that person leaves the organization and then that all is lost, then you have kind of the real problem. Right. To riff on even crazier analogies, like think of it as like kind of the desire path, right? You see those, you see those like paths off the sidewalk that go through the grass where people want to walk, right? Do you put up a fence there or do you pave it? Um, And I think that's something like the tendency can be to like, oh, let's put up a fence, let's keep people on the path. But instead, you can get more efficiencies by letting people cut and use the things that they want to use. And the more more and more orgs are learning that. Um, and it's something that, you know, I, I think is good. It's it's one of those things that makes teams more efficient. Um, you see a richer ecosystem of software to enable that. Uh, it's generally a good thing. You know, random aside on that as well, I, I went to Slack's headquarters um, in in San Francisco, and they have rounded walls. They built this beautiful building, uh, and they have rounded rounded walls for that exact reason. Like humans, there's not like ninety degree corners in nature. <laughs> so, okay. like, why would we create corners that are like horrifically designed when that like isn't? It intentionally basically makes people walk into each other when you have a corner like that. So why even build them in the first place? Yeah, it, it's great. And uh, and I can tell you, it's it's like a breeze walking around. I did not walk into one person. I walked around for like three hours. Um, so switching gears to, you know, all of this technology, all of this stuff going on, all of these apps that are in the ecosystem, uh, Zapier has, you know, over 1,500 apps that you all connect. Um, how do you view your role as CTO in terms of like, are you focused a lot on on customers, on mm. internal employees? Um, like, how do your employees use technology versus you know just creating product? Yeah, so you know my my role on, as a CTO, and I'm also as a as a co-founder, kind of like um, a lot of it is around the technology that powers the product itself. You know, we have a really I wouldn't say laissez-faire, but very open kind of environment around what software you'd like to use. Everybody is like, as you can imagine. Everybody inside of Zapier loves software and we all use the crazy whatever works for you and, you know, teams figure out what works for them and they kind of like lean in on that. So a lot of, you know, what you see are really cool, 
really well-built apps. Um, we've had people join the company and like, oh, Zapier takes software really seriously. And it's because we, again, we kind of, you know, have these desire paths. People use the software that uh, is good and we kind of like try to stick to that. So, you know, as my role um, is less about certainly dictating software or anything like that. We're, we're certainly pretty open, but is more about what software are we building for customers? What problems are we solving, solving through technology? So as you can imagine for, for us, that's managing how do you manage, you know, the craziness that is uh, Zapier um, when you're working with 1500 plus, and these are like public, you know, APIs and apps that are on Zapier. We also have a developer platform that anyone can like add stuff to. It, it's free. Generally, partners are adding their apps, but we also have customers that are adding their apps. So you have tons of private um, apps that people can add, and it's just your account that has it, but you can hook it up just like Salesforce. Um, and we have tens of thousands of those running. So we have all these crazy things that are going on. As you can imagine, services go down or they have errors and we have to like build all this robustness and reliability and replaying. And so we've invested a lot there. And so that would be a great example of something I would be focusing on. It's like, well, why do, how do we build a really kind of robust product and infrastructure and technology stack that enables that, that gives our customers that reliability um, that they would expect. So whenever, you know, Salesforce has a blip or, you know, uh, Trello uh, is doing something weird with this particular endpoint, we hold all their tasks and whenever it's fixed, we replay them all. So they don't even miss a beat, right? Like those are the sorts of things that you'll probably find myself really diving into because it's an intersection of customer and product and tech and infrastructure and all that stuff. Um, and that's generally where I'll spend a lot of my time. But as a co-founder, that also means that I'm doing a lot of hiring and I'm uh, chatting with folks uh, in the industry and I'm doing uh, a lot of kind of product facing things and interfacing with other folks in the team. So uh, there's obviously a big mix and a pretty like diverse set of things that I'm doing day to day. So do you have people internally that like code their own apps and then, you know, <laughs> then you all connect them? Like, are you having people do employee productivity things like, you know, there's nothing out there <laughs> like this. I just want to make it. Totally. Like we, we do have that often. Like one of the, you know, we, we've built our own software strictly for ourselves because um, we're a remote first company and we're 100 percent distributed. So there's not a lot of tools out there that really hit on what we wanted. So we've built internal tools like what we call async, which is if you imagine it, it's like WordPress meets Twitter meets Reddit or something, right? It's like an internal blog system that you can vote on stuff and comment on stuff. And this is where people share updates and they'll share results of A-B tests that they run or uh, things that they're shipping. And every week, everybody will post like a weekly update of what they worked on that week. And teams will do the same thing. And it's a way for us to kind of have a central hub of what's going on in the organization. And of course, we use stuff like Slack, obviously, but Slack is so ephemeral, it's hard to get like a feel of what teams are working on because it's just scrolling by so fast. And there's like literally like a thousand rooms, right? So it's so hard to keep yeah. track of. And we don't use email. So that is what we what we kind of settled on is using something like async to solve that. Um, but we also build, you don't I mean- use email in terms of like, you don't use it at all or you don't use it like internal? We don't use it internally, I should say. We do, I mean, we of course, we, we do a lot of email for uh, external working with partners and things like that. But internally, like the only time I've ever emailed someone inside of Zapier is to forward an email that someone else sent me from outside of the organization. So I literally never send an email to any colleague. Um, it's always Slack, it's always async, or it's always like a Zoom call or something like that, uh, pretty much universally. You know, it's funny that you say that. I was just thinking about how 
I think I don't. Th- I think I've probably done that, you know, a handful of times in the past year as well. I mean, we we do tons and tons of email correspondence with our guests, but sure. Um, but yeah, th- those are conversations like you know, not about yeah. Pretty much everything happens in Slack. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but you, then you think about it and you're like, why would you do that? <laughs> like what's either it's a task that needs to happen or it's just, you know, something fun or funny or interesting or, you know, something that you want to give people exposure to. Yeah. So it's, yeah, email just doesn't have much of a place inside of Zapier, or at least internally, right? Inside of Zapier. So it's just not something we do. I mean, we do have, we do dog food the product ourselves, right? As you can imagine, we have there are so many bots running around Zapier. Like if yeah. you join any Slack room, there's bots asking you what, you know, they have bots like dropping off documents from templates every week to like run media. Like there's so many things going on inside of Zapier. And that includes us building kind of our own internal apps. Like we use a piece of software called Small Improvements, which helps us manage our one-on-ones. Um, great little piece of software. And we built our own app internally so that we can really quickly add uh, talking points to our meetings um, with different folks. So if I want to broadcast like, hey, heads up, we have a new career growth framework edition and I want that to go to all engineering managers, but I want it in our next notes for our one on ones. You know, we have these little Chrome extension that pushes that through his app to small improvements and just distributes it to everywhere. And now it's ready to go um, for my next meeting. So instead of tracking down every single uh, manager or dropping that in there or trying to remember, I just open up the Chrome extension, paste that in, click submit, and then it boom, sends out to everyone, uh, which is really, really, really useful. So we we build lots of stuff like that. Um, and it's all built, obviously, as you can imagine on Zapier, um, lots of robots running around. Yeah, we, we have... Dylan, our head of growth, uh, has so many robots running around uh, in uh, in all of our stuff that he's constantly doing, um, and it's like one of those little joys to just watch these different right. things pop up and to get the notifications. And you're like, wait, what? Um, who did that? Or who built <laughs> that? Um, so, do you find that building the fully remote team that it allows you to have certain advantages of communication, flexibility, kind of same pageism. Yeah, I think so. So, you know, with remote, there's definitely trade-offs. You get some things, but in return, you have to work harder at other things. So, you know, the, the classic example I always think of is around communication. You don't have as much serendipity or just things happening like you might in an office. So earlier in Zapier, we had to be a little bit more explicit about how how we work together, how we communicated, what the norms are around that. Um, you know, one of the things that we do is, you know, if we're using something like Slack and a thread gets out of hand, like you see a thread with like a hundred responses, it's like, okay, it's probably time to raise the bandwidth at that point. Like it's time to get on a Zoom call and just kind of hash it out. But then after you get done with that call, come back to the room and say, hey, we chatted about it. Here's kind of a quick summary and be done with it. Otherwise, you're just going to sit there chewing up more and more time. So at a certain point, you have to have this norm of when do you tip over into a different tool uh, to complete kind of a, a cycle for communication. So for us, that tends to be things like, where is it appropriate to do Slack? When is it appropriate to use something like Quip or uh, Coda, right, to kind of document your decisions? Where is it appropriate to hop on a call? When is it appropriate to publish to async? Those sorts of things all have general lanes inside of Zapier. And we had to do that earlier. Um, otherwise it became a little, uh, unwieldy. So you have to kind of focus more on those sorts of things, but on the other side, you get a lot of really great stuff. For example, you can hire from anywhere in the world. Like we're big believers that 
talent is evenly distributed, but opportunity is not. And agreed. This is our ability to hire, you know, an amazing, you know, you might find an amazing uh, engineer in a small town in America and you can hire them, right? Like that's an incredible uh, opportunity. Um, and they don't have to move to someplace like the Bay Area that has insane cost of living or, you know, East Coast or something like that. Um, and it also, you know, if they have a family, they don't have to move their family and their spouse generally is able to have more opportunities because then when they do want to move, it's just one person kind of pivoting into like so many cool things happen as a result of that. Like we have even internal stats that show that like within the first year of most of our hires, it's something like I think it was like something it got up to like 60 percent of people moved, which is just astounding. Like it, that kind of mobility is pretty unheard of um, in sort of physical location. So there's there's really, you know, for, for us, we think of it as like it's, there's also just like really great things about a remote that, you know, make us really happy that we're, we're able to kind of build a culture around it. So there, there's it's not all sunshine. Rainbows, or Like I said, there are things that you do have to like be ahead of the curve on, uh, but you do get a lot of amazing stuff on the other side as well. How often do you all meet in the same place? Oh yeah, so we we actually have two. I guess we, I wouldn't call them offsites. For us, they'd be on sites. I guess we we get together twice a year, usually uh, in January and usually around like August, and we kind of rotate it uh, year to year because you know we don't want to have every August you miss your kid's birthday or something. So we kind of move them and shift them, and those tend to be full company. Um, and we'll go to like, I think we're going to Minneapolis, um, in September, we try to get everybody together. Um, that week is super fun because you get everybody together and it's really high energy. I think there's kind of a pretty steady state of energy when you work in an office. It's not the flavor you get when you go on this happier remote retreat. They can be a little exhausting. Um, but you get a whole week of just being together with everybody. And then for the rest of the year, you're back in your own zone. You're back to kind of being productive in your own space under your own kind of control and power. And that's great. We also do have some retreats that are company or sorry, not company, but team specific. So we have engineering retreats, we'll have product retreats and support retreats. So they can kind of like deep dive into the particular expertises that they have and the particular problems that they have. And we try to stick to running those usually once a year, uh, give or take. And those tend to be a little more optional because, you know, at a certain point, it's just a lot of travel for folks. So we try to try to be a little bit sensitive there. How do you fight things like, especially in the technology realm, um, where you're doing so much heads down work, so much time in front of a computer by yourself. Mm. How do you kind of fight loneliness and, um, you know, allow for some of those serendipitous kind of things to happen? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, a lot, we give this advice to everybody that joins Zapier is that when you are in an office or you have kind of an environment that's like on location, you can kind of lean on work to give you that social dopamine hit, right? That is really hard to get in a remote environment. So what we recommend folks is to have some sort of external piece that you can like lean on there. And some people have family and that that just works. Like that's like, that's that's what matters to them. And that, that hits all those buttons. Um, other folks have, you know, different community events or kind of church or what have you. Like this is, this is something that we try to encourage people to be cognizant of because it's really easy uh, to get stuck to, you know, just day in, day out, sitting at the computer and not being connected with, you know, folks in your community. So we always like call that out at the beginning and everybody has different needs around that. So we just, we just make sure to call it out. So if that's a need that um, you know, you have, um, 
you'll need to set time away for it. And you'll need to be thoughtful about that. And so we have people who do co-working spots. They'll go to a WeWork um, and they find that that's like perfect for them. Um, and everybody kind of finds their own balance. The, the, the big thing is like everybody has to kind of find what makes it work for them. Right. Um, so we always try to like bring that up and make that kind of front and center. What's your day one experience for employees? Like, do you have certain things that your onboarding is like unique in some way? Yeah, so we we recently this year got a lot better. In previous years, we we actually had another in-person component. So every two months, give or take, we would try to get people that just joined in that, you know, that little cohort to come out to the Bay Area, which is where the founders are, um, and get all everybody together and like kind of work together and run a couple little workshoppy things and stuff like that. And that was great, but it got a little unwieldy as our hiring pace went up. So we were like, well, we're a remote company. Maybe we should try to do this onboarding remote. And we leaned in on that. And we have, I mean, we have an awesome people ops team and they like took this, you know, uh, head on and it's been super awesome. Like the first week, like your, your week is like crazy packed um, with all kinds of stuff that's going on. You learn so much about Zapier, about like the org. I think for most people, the first day on that Monday, we even like Wade, Mike and I will get on a call and we'll just talk a little bit about you know, some of the same stuff that we talked about here, like, you know, this is kind of where we started. These are the ways we built the product. Here's how that kind of continues on to where we're at today. Here's what we're thinking about in the future. Here's the stuff that we're really excited about. Here are the customer problems that we're, we're solving. Um, and then we leave at least half the time for AMAs. So it just lets people dive into, hey, have you guys ever thought about this? Have you ever done that? Um, how do you approach these sorts of problems? Um, those sorts of things are really exciting. And that's, you know, continued. Uh, we do like weekly hangouts where we do that AMA. So that's like a pretty common thing inside of Zapier. But this one is like not whole company. It's just that cohort, that set of people that are joining and we spend time with them. And then that's repeated across all the different. So we have engineering leaders that will do that. And then we have marketing leaders that will do that. And we try to like fill that first week with as much like context and like awareness of all the things that are going on in Zapier. And then we kind of have a little bit of graduated autonomy. So that second week is a little less. You get more time to yourself. You get more time for your team. That third week, even more so. Fourth week, like you're kind of under your all your own power by then, right? Um, and then by then, like you're really kind of your autonomy of what you're doing in your role. It's it's all on you. Um, and the training weeks are kind of coming off and you have less of your time kind of dominated by the sort of schedule that is onboarding you. So that is something that is new for us in 2019. And so far, it's been like super super positive response and feedback around it. Um, it's something I'm really glad we did and we really put the effort in. I think it's showing. What things are you most excited about for, you know, the future of automation? What's what's kind of next for automation? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. We've spent a lot of time obviously thinking about this. The you know, the way we think of it is automation is probably going to be one of the defining kind of topics um, and issues of our time, right? Like over the next couple of decades, it's going to be something that changes people's lives um, and it's going to hit business first, but it's really going to change a lot. And the way we really approach it is, I mean, hey, it's just so exciting to be a part of that, you know, groundswell. But we also really get excited about having a toolkit and a, something that anyone can use. Anyone can hop in and start using Zapier and automate their entire business. I mean, we have people who build entire businesses and it's just a, it's like a couple dozen zaps. Um, and that's really exciting because that idea of like automating is not relegated to, you know, 
big co's that have a war chest to hire tons of engineers to build that automation and those tools. Anyone can grab it and start putting it together without investing years into learning to code. You can just kind of put this stuff together and do so much. So those are the things we get really excited about that I think are the future of automation is getting automation into everyone's hand. It's like a democratization of automation. Um, we find that that is like really exciting and it's something that is adding tons and tons of values value to uh, certainly small, medium businesses, but even larger organizations that want to make their employees more autonomous and make them more productive and give them more superpowers around how they approach stuff rather than, you know, coming back for like, can I get, you know, an engineer to build this thing for me? It's like, what's that? What's that? You can kind of just do it. Um, that's really exciting for folks. So when we think of like the future of automation there, we think of how automation is going to change a lot of society, but how it gets dispersed throughout society. Like it's it's something that's not going to be just relegated to the big coast. Um, it's something that, you know, small businesses, small teams, everyone can kind of get their hand in. Um, and that's pretty exciting to us. We get, we get really excited about that. Do you have any favorite bots that people on your team have built? <laughs> oh yeah, we have so many. I mean, one of the ones that has spread a lot um, we have a we have zaps that copy uh, documents on a schedule and like fill in that document with information from things like like we use a tool called Looker. Yeah, uh, that in conjunction with uh, Google Docs, we can like fill in like here's the stats from last week. Here's the numbers da da da, and it dumps uh, that document from a template into a Slack message, spins up like a meeting invite, invites everybody that needs to be invited um, and then dumps it into Slack. So everybody like has access to it. So whenever that meeting's starting, it'll even ping you to fill out your part of the form. So maybe it'll have like, you know, a lot of times we do like the red, yellow, green. How's everybody doing right now? How our team is doing? And it just dumps out a doc with everybody's like stats on it and um, everybody fills it in. And then now when you get to that meeting, you have this this check-in point that everyone can kind of really quickly scan and understand what are the hot spots, where we do, how we feeling. That is ran it's on autopilot like it's there's not any we don't have someone that's like making it or has to take time out of their day it's just every wednesday at noon it does this and you know thursday at noon we run the meeting and everybody's like ready to go right so those are things that are really exciting and when i talk about like there's just so many zaps running around in zapier that's a classic one but we also have tons of bots that are taking requests from different folks on the team, filling out forms and submitting bugs and routing bugs. If it gets like certain emoji or Slack emoji, it'll send it to here or send an alert to some like just all kinds of stuff like that is going on. So we have so many of them. Um, one of the ones that I like to use a lot is I like to star messages in Slack um, or you can emoji and it'll actually, funny enough, send it to my email inbox so that I can treat my email inbox as kind of a to-do list. <laughs> that's how we use email. And so oh, that's there. funny. So uh, that's one that I use quite a bit. Um, and I also really like- I need the reverse. Oh, really? <laughs> I need to star my my email inbox so that it, it transitions the other way. it to, yeah. to tasks uh, in Slack or in you know, whatever. Yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> but funny. I mean, I, I could definitely keep going. Uh, so many, we have Slack status updaters from calendar, like uh, so many things that are running around and spread around inside of Zapier, kind of like little zap memes that people pick up and start reusing and grow on. So I'm super excited for where calendars go in general. Like the, the possibilities are endless with how dynamic calendars can be. And we actually, we had, um, Tim Campbell's on talking about all things that that they're building, but the the calendar 
the opportunity for the calendar to be like the go-to place for, you know, all of your organization is just like so freaking exciting. I'm like, I'm here for it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy how unwieldy my calendar gets these days. And, uh, definitely, I, I definitely, any improvements to the calendar ecosystem will be greatly appreciated, uh, by yours truly. Um, I spent a lot of time just playing calendar Tetris. So, um, it's yeah. a big part of my life. All right, let's get in the lightning round. These questions are fast and easy. Just like the lightning platform from Salesforce, you can go to salesforce.com slash build mobile apps to learn more about building apps on the world's number one CRM, lightning fast. And who doesn't like building apps? This whole conversation has been about apps. So go check out the lightning platform and we'll do some lightning round questions. Brian, are you ready? Let's do it. Number one, what app are you using on your phone that is the most fun? Hmm, I am a guitar nerd, so I love using this uh, site. It's like eBay for guitar and music instruments called Reverb, and I'm addicted to it. So I'm always like looking at goofy stuff on there. Favorite commercial use of AI or chatbots that you've seen? We do a lot of routing of tickets. Um, and kind of classification of tickets uh, based on what the content is. For example, we often will automatically close tickets that don't need a response. So think of auto replies and things of the like. So th that's been awesome. Favorite podcast or recent book that you've read or listened to that you enjoyed? Yeah, I really like heists. And I just recently got into this kind of new podcast called Heist uh, Podcast. And it's uh, phenomenal. So if you like heists, it's, it's super fun. Do you have a favorite vacation spot? Ooh, um, it's hard to beat, you know, already beautiful, sunny <laughs> California. Um, but, you know, being so close to kind of Hawaii is also hard to really beat out here on the West Coast. So sometimes we sneak away there. You know, I'll say this. The Bay Area gets a lot of uh, a lot of vitriol about housing prices and they are all accurate. I will say this. If what you actually get is driving distance to the most amazing places you could possibly imagine in every single direction, and that you could true. go to a different place each weekend for the next five years and you, you wouldn't even hit them all. Very true. What do you do for fun? I play guitar. I'm kind of a jazz, country, blues kind of nerd, so I love playing guitar. I don't do it as much as I like, uh, but I do like doing it technology you're most excited about going forward? Um, one thing I really love and something we adopted as Zapier a long time ago, but it's still super new is like serverless. We use a ton of AWS Lambda and we use it for a lot of our integrations and a lot of kind of our apps. And it's it's great. Like it's, it's a super clever product and super fun uh, and productive. Best advice for a first time CTO? Spend a disproportionate amount of time with customers and like really quickly try to build the simplest thing you can that kind of will wow them, um, be super impressive. So customers and then tech. What is your favorite question to ask in an interview with a potential Zapier candidate? I really love behavioral questions and then I love to like kind of just probe into it. So Often I like to ask, like, tell me about the most uh, surprising 
bug or technical challenge you've had to like deal with. And then I'll just like, I love to dive deep, deep, deep into it until you kind of exhaust. Um, and if you get exhausted before the candidate, that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's, have you ever read one question interview? I think it's by Lou huh, Adler. No. Yeah. It's, uh, that's basically exactly what the thing is. It's like, it shows you how they think about problems, how, who they worked with on their team, how they view teamwork, like every single thing. If you talk about like the hardest thing that somebody's ever done or thing they're most proud of or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, it's basically that exact thing. It's like go a mile deep and you kind of learn their entire thought process about things. Yeah, that I buy it. I mean, I get a ton of value out of that. And often if if the candidate can kind of keep going and keep going and keep going and you're getting new and new and amazing stuff and then you're like, oh, time is running out. Uh, that's usually a really strong sign. Uh, usually great, great experience. And those are super invigorating in interviews. That's a great one. Well, Brian, this has been absolutely awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. Any any final things to share with the audience or uh, things to plug? Definitely. Uh, have yourself or your team check out Zapier, um, especially if you want to be more productive and automate and grow your business, um, kind of let it run itself. Um, Zapier kind of helps you do some of that stuff. And if you like tinkering with stuff, you like building stuff, uh, you'll definitely fit right in. Awesome. Thanks for hanging out. Of course. Thank you, Ian. Thanks again to our friends at Salesforce. Did you know Salesforce isn't just for sales? Using Salesforce as an employee experience platform helps make every employee across your organization more productive thanks to a common mobile first platform for getting work done faster. Find out more at salesforce.com slash employee experience.